Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast, the show designed to keep youth workers motivated and youth ministries moving forward. Now, here's your host, blogger, speaker, and lover of nerd stuff, Paul Turner. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast. I am your host, Paul Turner. What a privilege to be with you here today. Hope you're all doing well. It's cold here in Birmingham, Alabama, so uh, trying not to get sick, trying not to, um, you know, uh, get any nasty crud in me or anything like that. But hopefully where you are, the weather is better, and people, spring is coming. So let's get excited for that. A um, couple of things you need to know as you're listening to this podcast. First of all, I will put everything in the show notes of this podcast. So if you think you're missing anything, you're not. Just look at the show notes and you will find stuff there for you. Uh, also, if you want uh, some extra bonus stuff, possibly, uh, you can sign up for the Fresh Impact newsletter. Uh, if you just go to the discipleproject.net and sign up there, uh, I'll be sure to send out some goodies to you and uh, you will like them, I think. So, but anyway, let's get into the show for today. I want to talk about uh, this is, by the way, this is uh, before I get into what I want to talk about. Um, you know, this weekend is the Oscars, and uh, of course, it is just this, you know, ongoing three-hour, four-hour, uh, you know, self-congratulatory award ceremony. Uh, of course, we just want to know who won Best Picture and whether or not uh, Leo is going <laughs> to Leo is going to win an award this year. That's the big news. That's the deal. That's all this is about this year. Is just you know, we want to know who won Best Mad Max. First of all, we want to put in my vote for Mad Max. Best Picture of the Year, uh, just because I like Mad Max and I thought it was a great movie. Uh, and I hope Leo does get his award. Uh, he's a good guy, I imagine, and uh, has been at it a long time. So I say kudos to him and go for it, bro. Uh, but there are other, you know, there are other awards going on in the world. It's not just the Oscars. I know it's the pinnacle of all that is cool in the world. But there are other awards uh, in the world that are given away. And I thought I'd present maybe a few of the more ridiculous or weird ones. And um, talk about those real quick. Um, you know, in Vermont, they have what is called, this is, by the way, this is presented by uh, Mental Floss. Mental Floss uh, <coughs> video there, I'll put a link down in there in the uh, show notes there. And uh, uh, Mental Floss has a list here of the weirdest 21 weirdest awards. I picked out what I think are the 10 weirdest awards or funniest uh, to share with you guys. And of course, you could always use this in your youth ministry somewhere. Uh, to go along with some message about awards or trophies or things like that. And uh, so anyway, in Vermont, uh, they have what is called the Rotten Sneaker Award uh, for the nastiest pair of sneakers put on by odor eaters. And I've seen this before. And these shoes, you can't smell them, but they look like they smell rank. They look like you would not want to get within 10 feet. And listen to me, I have uh, two uh, boys that live in my house and man, I tell you what, when they have gotten in the car after a ball game or something like that, my Lord, it is just insane. These children should be nominated for this award. I should take them to Vermont and have them win this thing. Um, they have what's called the Darwin Awards. Uh, those are people who die or, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> die in some ignominious way, uh, you know, like uh, drowning in a bathtub or, you know, dying while committing a crime and things like that. Of course, it's for, you know, stupid people who do stupid things and wind up dying because of them. Um, they have what's called the Razzies, 
And this is kind of a fun uh, award because it's it's made for the worst movies of the year, just the absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible movies of the year. And uh, they're given out. Of course, you know they said that people don't accept them, but there's several, a couple of people have, you know, accepted them, you know, uh, and shown up to receive such an award. Um, you know, uh, Sandra Bullock did that. You know, uh, showed up and actually received an award for about Steve. I think that was the name of the movie. It was about Steve, but. Um, the Pigasus, P-I-G-A-S-U-S award, and uh, it's given out by uh, the amazing Randy, who was a former um, magician, and he gives it out to the biggest fraud, paranormal or uh, spiritual or whatever it is, kind of a fraud award, right, for coming up with either the fakest or phoniest or uh, any of that stuff kind of award for just the worst people who are just, you know, perpetrating lies to the rest of the people out there. So I thought that was fun. I got to check that out because it's uh, I'd be interested in see who he has nominated, see if there's any televangelists on the list. Um, there's all the Merlin Awards, which is actually an award for, which I think is kind of a cool award, but they give it away to the magicians, and uh, it's for the best magician. Uh, the Psychic of the Year. Well, that's you can't really do a whole show about that, can you? Psychic of the Year Award. I think that's in Australia, they said. And uh, uh, it is, uh, you know, uh, of course they say in the video, you know, they say, you know, well, what fun is that? People people already know, you know, who's, uh, who's going to win this thing. Thankfully, it doesn't last four hours like the Oscars do. You sort of know, maybe, and then it's done. Uh, the uh, Diagram prize, the diagram prize for oddest book titles. This kind of fascinates me a little bit. I'm going to delve into this a little bit more. It says uh, some of the, some of the uh, award winners here is how to avoid a huge ship and how to goblin-proof your chicken coop, both of which sound like fascinating titles. I have no idea if that's what the book's actually about, but they at least give the award away to the, to the weirdest title. Um, uh, in England, I think it is. England, they have what is called the Bad Sex and Fiction Awards. Bad Sex and Fiction. I'm going to leave that alone. It's just, it's just too terrible. <laughs> but if you have to give an award away for it, I don't know. Uh, this is interesting. They have what's called the Lantern uh, Rouge Award. And it is given to the last person who finishes the Tour de France. And they say that, uh, you know, they call it the Red Lantern. The Red Lantern, it's a Red Lantern, which is symbolic of the Red Lantern that is on the caboose of a train. And uh, they give that away. And that guy, they, they say that guy makes some money. He gets a lot of public appearances and things. It's almost, almost better than winning it, I think, you know. That would be me. There would be no fight for last place with me. You, I would crush you. Just want to let you know that if you choose to compete against me in the Tour de France and you're fighting with me, for last place of the Tour de France, I will crush you. Don't even, don't even play. Don't even start with me. I will just, I will, I will be so far behind. Uh, it would be absolutely awful. I wouldn't make it up the first hill. Uh, they have also the uh, the Bulwer Lighten Award, and it is for the best or the worst opening sentence to a novel, the worst opening sentence to a novel. And I thought that was uh, kind of cool, too, that there, these are terrible opening lines here. And, and it's named after uh, the Bulwer Lytton, who wrote a book called Paul uh, Clifford. Paul Clifford. Uh, and it, the, the, is the infamous line, it was a dark and stormy night. I don't know if that's a terrible line or not. I, I don't know. I kind of like that line. It's, it kind of sets the pace there, builds a little imagery in your mind there. And, uh, and that's it. That's it for... 
That's it. That's for the weird awards. So enjoy your uh, your Oscars, if you will. But I will choose to maybe watch weird awards. I just want to know who won Best Picture, Mad Max, and um, and maybe you know uh, you know Chris Rock is hosting, so I don't know. Don't know what that's going to be like. It's going to be a little weird. So, but anyway, enjoy it if you will. Uh, the um, meat of today it comes to me. Um, it's it's going to sound more of a riff. I wish I could. I wish I could put into place or put into words you know, how I kind of feel about this, but, uh, well, I'm going to put it into words. What am I talking about? This is a podcast. Of course I'm going to put it into words. If I don't put it into words, it's just going to be a very long silence. Uh, so I am going to put it into the words. Uh, but the but this comes from a video, which I'm going to play at the end. I'm going to put the audio on here by, uh, I'm trying to remember, it's, We Are Worship, I think it is. And um, so we're going to jump into the meat of the program today, which is talking about our calling uh, in life, and whether or not we're called to youth ministry, and, and partly what the video does, uh, that is done by Joel Marbot, who is a, a missionary, and uh, you know that the calling of God is a very open and wide thing. It also can be very uh, specific, and um, uh, you know, to a certain niche, to a certain place, uh, to a certain country, to a certain position. You know, those kind of things. And so, for me. Uh, I'll just maybe share a little bit about uh, my journey and uh, my calling into the youth ministry. Um, when I was uh, when I was a, uh, a teenager, you know, I grew up in the uh, grew up in the Catholic Church, and uh, when I had done everything I could do, I did my confirmation, went through the whole route, and uh, but there was no youth program after that. I wound up uh, going uh, and attending uh, another church, another youth group, and I can trace, you know, from that part of the journey. Um, you know, where I started to get involved with, you know, I was involved in a camp. I had my first, kind of my first youth pastor there, Bill Dunkley. Uh, my second youth pastor, which is the church that I attended, um, uh, you know, after my post-Catholic uh, years or during my Catholic years of finishing that up. And, uh, and then a third one, Ed Cownan's, um, was when I was in my older teens and, and really developing leadership. And so I can trace... Um, I can trace certain things back to all three of those uh, that totally fit because it was all built on relationship. It was all built on on uh, uh, on investment and things like that. And so, with a kid without a dad who uh, was struggling to find himself uh, and struggling to find his place with the Lord, and each of these youth pastors had a significant role in my life. Uh, you know, Bill really, and he doesn't remember this, but you know, he really got me turned on to Christian music. I mean, it was probably one of the. I remember him driving me home and him putting on some music, and he doesn't even remember the song uh, that he was playing or anything. But I can remember that I attuned myself to that, and I started to, you know, get into Christian music. And I started to listen to that, and it really kind of fed into my my spiritual walk. But him being my first youth leader, you know, he really showed, cared, concern, drove me places, drove me home. Uh, back from the camp, things like that. My second youth pastor, Tom Florian, he um, really showed me the value of reading. And I can remember going into his office and uh, and just seeing the books and books and books and and the level he had you know been to college and he had all these books on various things uh, of study. And uh, I was really interested. I was really interested in learning more. And I was you know reading a lot of deeper stuff even at 16, 17 years old. You know, I was reading John Stott and C.S. Lewis and all these books, and he really helped me 
with my love of learning and my love of reading, which totally transformed uh, how I educated myself. And then my third youth pastor, uh, Ed Cownans, he, um, you know, he really taught me the value of evangelism and caring for the souls of others. Um, he was very big on outreach. Uh, he was very big uh, in spiritual depth and discipleship. Um, and so that transformed me uh, in so many different ways as well because each of those guys had, a, had a, um, uh, an impact and a mark upon my life that led me to, an, uh, you know, when I was thinking about then, I get to the place where, well, what am I going to do? You know, I, I joke with people when I say, you know, I only had several choices after high school. I was a terrible high school student. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, my choices were, you know, social work was appealing because it was helping with troubled and troubled kids. And I wanted to kind of get into that field. And, you know, the other choice was to be a, a professional bowler. I tried a professional bowler. Don't laugh. I had skills. I had skills, people. I, I um, Played a lot of leagues on Saturday morning, played in a few tournaments. Don't mess with me. Um, I bowl, was bowling over 200. I had a 145 average, I believe. Uh, I wasn't bad. I wasn't bad. But the other choice was to be a youth pastor. And I started to consider my post-high school years, and I thought back to the places where these guys had touched my life and, and the things that I saw them do that was appealing to me, that was fun, that was really fit my personality, and at that point, you know, I did not see God coming in and saying, uh, Paul, I'd like you to be a businessman, or Paul, I'd like you to be a, uh, you know, all these things. Uh, it, it was transformative in that sense because, uh, because, you know, there was no other options. I had a few options of what I liked or what I loved or what I was drawn to. And I can remember one night, and I think it was a morning service, maybe a night service at church. I was a missionary from Africa. And, uh, of course, uh, this is the, the dramatic part of it where I kind of go up. I go up for prayer. We had did a prayer line. And I went up there and uh, prayed. And, and, and then, you know, I was walking away. And he says, young man, young man, he says, do you, do you feel called to the ministry? And I can remember saying, and I, I don't know if I was sure or not. I said, sort of, yeah, I, said, I feel like that. He says, he says, yes, I feel like the Lord is calling you into, you know, work with teenagers and, and those kind of things. And he didn't know me from anybody. And. And it was very dramatic. Now, listen, I know that that is not everybody's experience, um, but it was my experience uh, in that sense of the calling. Uh, but, but all the work, God had done really all the work up until that point by impacting my life through youth ministry, with youth pastors, with relational things, leadership development. You know, I could, I could write a book saying everything I learned, I learned, you know, about youth ministry, I learned in youth group or, you know, those kind of things there. And so when you begin to ask yourself, am I called to youth ministry? You know, look at certain things, I guess. My encouragement to you is this, you know, don't look for the voice from the sky. And as Joel Marbert says in the video, you know, don't only look for the burning bush if it's something you're not supposed to do, you know, versus, versus looking for the burning bush of what you ought to do. You know, start in a direction. Start in a way. If you're wrong, God will redirect. I promise you. If, you, if you're going the wrong way, God will figure that part out. But, you know, it's easier to move, you know, to steer a moving ship, they say. And so you got to get started somewhere. And so my encouragement is when you're asking yourself, am I called to youth ministry? Now, listen, that may, when I say youth ministry, that does not necessarily mean just in the local church. Because I believe there's the calling, right, and there's the profession, you know, the people have, you know, just like I was impacted by people, there are people who are impacted by the law, 
right? Uh, maybe they've gone through an injustice. Maybe there's, they have a, a history in their family of people being lawyers or uh, police officers or doctors, and they all have these, these, these things that they see, um, you know, and they sense that calling that, uh, of saying, look, I want to do that. That's something I want to do. That's the way I'm born, the way I'm built, the way, I've, the way God has designed me and wired me. And so when I say youth ministry, I think there's a, a macro and a micro calling, right? There's, there's, there's the macro calling of, I want you to work with teenagers. The micro calling may be saying, hey, work with the youth in a local church. And not just any local church. If you want to go even deeper into the micro, you'd say, well, I want you to work with rural kids, or I want you to work with city kids, or I want you to work with you know, certain kinds of teenagers with disabilities, um, it could be any of those things. And so as we're drilling down, some of that, all these things, you know, goes from very specific to, you know, from very general to very specific. You know, you may be starting right now asking, saying, you know, I'm supposed to work with teenagers. I, I love the fact that this is, was a funny, I just did an interview with a guy named Chris Whedon, and uh, he is a game designer, and he talked about his journey with the Lord, and, you know, he he was a young guy, and he was in the church, and had just been a Christian for a few years, and and they had asked him, as many times this happens, a church will ask a guy and say, hey, young guy, say, hey, do you want to work with the youth? Well, obviously, they're the youngest person there, and they're probably the only one that wants to do it within the church. So they asked him, and he, and he really, you know, shared the fact that when he jumped in there, he didn't know he was called to, you know, youth ministry or anything like that. But once he jumped in there, uh, God started to touch his heart, and God started to hit him on a journey. And the fact was this, that he wasn't super, his, you know, he wasn't super, knowledgeable of the Bible. He wasn't super knowledgeable of programming and those kind of things, but he loved kids, and God used that to, for him to take that position to grow him. You know, we everybody thinks they go into, you know, youth ministry so they can reach kids, and maybe, maybe you're going into youth ministry to be reached by God, um, to grow you. And, uh, you know, we tell that to our kids when they go on mission trips, right? That we say, hey, we're going to go on this mission trip, and we're going to reach people. Listen, God's going to do more transformative work within us more than likely, as, as my experience tells me, uh, in the lives of the students who go than the lives of the people we touch, per se, because God is already moving there. We're not bringing the movement of God. We're joining the movement of God wherever mission trip we go on. And when we go into our ministries and things like that, we're not, we're not bringing God with us. We're simply joining God within a context of where he's already moving. And so he's using us to, uh, to grow us as much, if not more, than the group of the ministry that we're, we're working with. So if I could sum it up in this sense, if I could sum up the, 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 the meat of this, and if you're saying, well, when am I called to youth ministry? Look at certain things in your life. Look at the people, right? Look at, first of all, look at, let's start this. Look at your background, right? Look at where you've come from. Look at where, where you're at. Look at what has impacted you. Look at what has, you know, the kind of family you've grown up in. What, what kind of... Uh, uh, you know, schooling type have you had, you know, and, you know, in your high school years, what was that like? And relationships you've had, things like, look at your background, look at what's part of the DNA of that that is maybe pointing you into uh, ministry in that sense, or in, in working with teenagers. Um, you may also want to look at, too, you look at things like, um, you know, your passion, what what makes, what drives you, what gets you excited in the morning, what gets you up in the morning and says, Man, I can't wait till I, I do this thing, whatever that is. You know, so a phrase that, you know, really impacted me. I think we were at a men's conference or a men's meeting, and we said, um, uh, the guy said, you know, what, you know, a clue to your calling may be what makes you, what makes you excited, what makes you cry, uh, what makes you 
you know, what evokes these things in your heart that, that tips you off in a way to say, that could be a clue to what, my, my, what leads me to my next point here, which is your passion, right? There's your background, but then there's your passion. There's something you, that, that bubbles up in you when you sense that. That's why I started this podcast, you know? I mean, this thing that, you know, I get jazzed about talking with all of you. I get jazzed about bringing uh, a little bit of information possibly that's going to help somebody right now that's thinking, man, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Well, I don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You do, but I can at least offer a few things, and that, that brings me great joy. That great, brings me the, the passion level for that is hopefully evident. Um, and then you start looking after the background and after the passion. You start looking at your skill set, right? You start looking at your skill set. Well, what am I good at? Am, am I good at these things? Am I, am I a good communicator? You know, there's certain things in my skill set that, that makes me, I think, good at that. We always, I mean, I don't know about you, but I look at guys in, in Hollywood and other things. Boy, that guy would be a great youth pastor. That guy would be like Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon would be like a phenomenal youth pastor, right? He can play games, he can talk, he can do all these things. Of course, that's, you know, the stereotypical maybe. But he has a skill set that would work within the context of working with teenagers. He's a big teenager himself, right? So you start looking at your, how's my communication skills? How are my, um, you know, all these things. But even that doesn't necessarily qualify, right? Because look at all the people that God chose that didn't have any of those things. I mean, look, he chose the apostle Paul for his reasons, and, and God said, look, he's not in the perfect condition for that. He's, he's Right now he's persecuting the church. I'm going to knock him off his horse. I'm going to blind him, and then I'm going to retrain him, and I'm going to get use whatever he has to do what he has to do. And, and, and he did. You look at the fishermen. You look at Peter and uh, Andrew and James and John. You look at all these guys. You, but you, there is an innate core set, right, a skill set that we have, that things that we are good at, whether that's art, whether that's graphics, whether that's uh, building things, whether that's uh, uh, engineering. And we have this uh, certain skill set that we ha that are, um, you know, that we're adapting to or that we have, uh, um, I don't know, that we have like cling to that says, man, I'm really good at honing this in. I'm really good at those type of things. And you know what? Every youth pastor is different. You don't have to be the guitar playing, best preacher, good looking. Look, you know, I am, if you ever saw me, you'd look at me and go, dear God, Paul, how did you ever make it? I mean, you'd look at me and go, my Lord, you know, how did this happen? And, uh, you know, it's kind of like when you look at people, when, when good-looking when, when good women marry these, you know, slumpy guys, you're going, how did that happen? How did that guy get that girl? And, you know, some people may look at me and go, I don't know how Paul Turner did it. How, does, how did that happen? And, um, and so you got to look at your skill set. And then finally, the last thing I would look at, and these are for me as well, you know, um, that I mentioned earlier was about moments. And um, there are certain key moments, right, that, that solidify that moment where you say, that's what I'm going to do. Whether that's like things like getting married, these very key and pivotal moments in your life. And you look at these moments, and there are lots of moments within the context of my youth ministry career that, uh, you know, that have pointed in that direction. You know, that said these moments, whether that was the moment with the missionary that I felt that calling of God. You know, I look at my background as a, as a kid without a dad. I look at my passion, what gets me up in the morning. Uh, and, you know, some of that has changed in the sense of not so much about youth ministry. Uh, it is youth ministry. It's not about yesterday youth pastoring, but it is about youth ministry in the broader sense of those who work with teenagers. So that's kind of, you know, five years, six years ago, I really sensed that in my life and started doing things. I started blogging. I started, uh, you know, 
you know, writing. I started creating curriculum. I started writing stuff. I, all these things. And, um, you know, that really was, was a pivotal moment there. That's what brings me in this podcast right now. So, so I guess to wrap that up is this, don't, don't, no, don't just look for the burning bush. Don't look just for that significant thing. Look at a, a spectrum of things of how God has built and designed you and looked at your DNA and looked at your background, your passions, and really pray through and just say, Lord, who have you made me to be? Where is life leading me? What doors have you opened to me? And, and you know what? Things like going to school, pray that through too. Say, look, Lord, am I supposed to go to, you know, four years of college for this? Or, or do I have a skill set? Maybe you will work in another job. Maybe you're bivocational. Maybe you're a volunteer and you've been wondering this. Well, I don't know. You know, what are you doing right now that shows you that says, man, I'm, I'm just going to go do that. And, you know, take a chance. That's, all, that's the best thing I can tell you to do is take a chance. Go to college. I, for me, I went to college. I went for a whole three months. And then I shipped myself off to a discipleship school. And, uh, and that was it. And then I've been a youth pastor for 25 years. Now, am I saying you don't need college? No. I'm saying I didn't need college. Uh, did I need education? Yep. Did I need learning? Uh-huh. But that's not the route God took me. And I tried. Trust me. I tried to go back to school. I went back to school several years ago. And uh, I'm probably one class short because I can't pass math uh, to get my AA degree. And, and so I'm not down on education. I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't, it didn't happen. The, the plan didn't work out that way uh, uh, for my life. And I didn't have, you know, enough people feeding into me or, or those things or whatever you want to call it. But I'm, I'm right now, I can't regret anything. And I don't, re I don't regret anything because I'm in a place right now where I'm just uh, serving the Lord and loving God and reaching teenagers, and hopefully this becomes maybe a moment for you, you know, where now you're listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, Paul, you know, thank you for affirming or thank you for, you know, whatever. Whatever I'm saying today, if it's helping you, I hope it is, and, um, and that's where we're at. So I hope that my story and I hope that some of these broader spectrum of things and this, this, this you know, short list of things to look at in your life has been a benefit, and, uh, and there you go. I'd love your feedback, by the way. Please go ahead and email me at thedproject@me.com. Would love to hear from you. Love your comments. Um, I'd also love you to go and you know, uh, and, and if you're listening to this via iTunes or wherever you may be, the SoundCloud, uh, wherever you may be listening to, I'd love for you to go back and uh, maybe review this podcast a little bit and go ahead and uh, and maybe give some stars to it if you want or leave a review. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, and I'd appreciate it very much. Take some time to do that if you would, please. So, but anyway, now it's time for me to go ahead and nerd out about a few things, things that I am nerding out about uh, currently. And uh, I hope that, uh, you know, these things today, uh, I'm just kind of nerding out about a couple of apps right now. Last week, I believe I mentioned Anchor. I mentioned Anchor as an app, and I'm using that right now. I would love for you to go. I have a, in fact, I have a, I have a, uh, on if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me post it there. So I'm at Paul Turner two. That's Paul Turner, T O O. And uh, I have a question up there about how how did you know you were called? How do you know you were called to what you're doing right now? Whether you're a volunteer, full time, part time, part time, you work another job. You maybe that's your job and that's what you do. And so uh, if you go to Anchor or if you go to Twitter and you find me there, you can answer the question. And, uh, and I'd love to hear from you on that. So, but Anchor, I'm still nerding out about it because it's, it's this, this, this um, I don't know, this conversation you're having. It's an audio version of Twitter, basically, where you're answering questions, you're doing fun things, you're, you know, and it takes all, you only have two minutes to talk. And, you know, you, you, you can answer, you don't have to take all two minutes, you know, you just take. But maybe something you, you, I'd love you engage with to get your 
input and feedback on it. But I also like, you know, use it maybe a way you can use it with your youth ministry. You know, there's a way you can use it where kids will talk. I don't know. I know they're a text generation, but maybe they want to talk. Maybe they'll have a way of doing that and do something fun with it. Uh, so try it out with your kids and let me know what you, uh, what you think about it. The other app here, maybe you've heard of it, is called Musical.ly. That's Musical.ly. And that is an app where uh, kids are making videos, basically. They're making videos through Musical.ly, and you can find that in the app stores for your iPhone, I think for your iPad. Oh, there, there we go. Okay. Yes, we're just playing this nice and loud here. Okay, so there we go. So I had to get to the, it just pops up really loud, but that's okay. Um, so when I go on there, if you go on there, it'll immediately, you know, it's, it's TV and movies. I mean, they got J-pop. Um, they got foreign uh, international things. They have Spanish, electronic, Disney, uh, things like that, Star Wars. Uh, these become, what they really become is if you do this, if you have a, a, an Instagram or something like that, you could do like little crazy little video announcements or response to other kids. You could use this as a, a, as a contest, right? Just take your kids, split them up one night if they have the Musical.ly app. Uh, say, hey, I'm going to send you guys off. You're going to make a little video clip. You're going to send it to me via email. I'm going to pop it up on the screen or wherever it may be, and I'm going to share it. And, uh, and it becomes just a really cool content creator, but it also gives kids an opportunity to do something fun with their phones and create something that you could use as announcements or as just uh, uh, you know, something you want to want to pop in there. I think the, the video thing only lasts maybe 15 seconds, much like Instagram. It doesn't, you know, you don't get a very long time with it. Um, but there's just a lot of fun little things on there that you can use, that you can use for seasonal things. There's Christmas ones, there's Valentine's Day, um, and those type of things. So my encouragement is try it out. I would love, I'm going to try it out with my kids. I would love for you to uh, try it out with your kids. And like I said, you can do slow-mo, you can speed it up, there's epic, there's uh, all those kind of things. There's a different, you know, once you edit it, uh, you can do all kinds of things with it. Uh, you can change the filters, you can... Uh, do all those kind of things. And if you look through them, you can scroll through as you scroll upward on the, the main screen there. You can see the very cool, creative things that people have done with it already. And it is awesome. It's just just phenomenal stuff what people do and take 15 seconds and make these little mini movies. And I think it would be uh, really cool for your kids. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be trying it with my kids. And maybe we can hook up and you know, do something and uh, share them and, you know, those kind of things. So, but uh, anyway, guys, uh, I, I, I want to say that I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, I'm going to be leaving you guys with this quote from Joel Marbot. Uh, it's about five minutes long, and that's just the way I'm going to close the show because I think what he says is so powerful. I'm going to put a link to the video. The video is good. It does not, it has the words up there and those kind of things that it does, so it's really good to show to your kids and show to your students. Um, but I think for this, for the end of this, this time that we have together, you know, this podcast, that maybe you just listen to it, uh, and I'm not going to come back on after that, no cool music, no nothing, it's just you listening to it and saying, okay, and being, begin to pray through it and say, you'll just say now, say, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, Lord, about my callings in life, speak to me about the things that I'm called to do, not, not only just professionally or even in ministry, but who am I supposed to be as a believer, you know, who am I supposed to be? You don't have to be called to love people. You don't have to be called to pray about things. You know, you don't have to be called to read your Bible. Those are all natural things that we do as believers. But if you're looking for, a, a, you know, something specific in your life, listen to the audio. 
begin to pray through it, listen to it, and see if the Lord speaks to you. So uh, with that being said, uh, I hope you'll connect with me, leave me a review, uh, go to thediscipleproject.net and sign up for the Fresh Impact Newsletter where you'll get some more goodies from me. But until next time, folks, I appreciate you guys listening, appreciate all you do. Stick with it, guys. Stick with it. You're reaching young people for Christ, and uh, your work matters. It matters greatly, as does your calling. So here's Joel Marbot as he shares about being called to be a missionary. A lot of times I said, how do you know that you were called to be a missionary? And for me, my thought was, if this is real, why am I going to do anything else with my life? I mean, if I really believe what I say I believe, why am I going to waste my time? doing anything else you know do I'll do anything and, and what the what was crazy is I still have that attitude I'll do anything I don't care I'll do it for Jesus I didn't particularly feel called to this life I didn't feel called to live in a hammock or to sweat every waking moment of your life or to be in situations that are dirty and filthy I never planned on being with people that were under undereducated and we rode up into this village that we not even planned on visiting and we rode into the village and when we got there, there were three old women that were there waiting on us. And one of these women was just tears rolling down her eyes. And she looked at me and she said, because when we were little girls, we became Christians in our village and their village was all the way in another province. They said, we became Christians in that village and, and there was a church there, but our husbands came and they took us and they brought us here. And we, we don't have a Bible. We do not have any other Christians around. There's no one else around. And so we have been praying. The three of us have been praying for 20 years for God to send somebody. I'm laying there and I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I know that you have someone. And I was praying Luke 10 too. I said, God, uh, send laborers in the harvest field. I, Lord, send workers, send people to come and plant churches among these people. God, send a man, send a woman, send young people. But God asked me one question. He said, but if you don't, then who will? He said, you've seen the sights, you've seen the sounds, you see the need, and if you don't do it, then who am I going to get to do it? That was in 1998, and I said, okay, God, I'll do it. And in 2000, what was crazy is uh, I met Leah. I remember thinking to myself, God, I'm this close to getting married. I will not tell her that I'm called to the jungle because she will never marry me. I feel like God just said, you don't have to, I'm telling her. And that day, I'm in one village and she's in another village. And when I get into that village, I'm looking around and I know that's where my heart is. And God says, I'm telling her right now. And I remember walking back into a hotel room that night. And when I walked into the hotel room, she's sitting in a, on the edge of the bed. And she said, I need to tell you something. I said, no, let me tell you. God told you that we need to move here and that we're supposed to reach the Shawar people. And she starts crying. I said, yes, that's what we're going to do. You know, so many times we live our life wondering if we're called to do something. And I think it's the wrong question to ask. I think the question that we have to ask, are we not called to do something? Because I think Jesus is pretty clear. We're called. We don't have an option. We cannot deny the Great Commission. We have to do something. The need is the call. And we got to respond. We're so concerned about getting 
all of our ducks in a row. Those people that are waiting to do that are never going to do anything for God. Realistically, the burning bush only comes to tell us not to do something. And anything else, guess what we have to do? We have to respond. God doesn't have a plan B. He has one plan, and we're all part of it. Stop trying to get everything, all your ducks in a row, and make it all happen. Stop trying to have all the answers. If you don't want me to do this, then send me a burning bush. If you don't want me to respond to this need, tell me that, Lord. Tell me that. Some of you have pretext for obedience. You know what that means? That means you say, okay, God, when I have this much money, and when I have this, and when I have that, and when I have this, then I'm going to do something for you. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. When we obey God partially in our lives, it's the same as if we were totally disobedient to the Lord. What are the things you're trying to get in order so that God can use you? I'm just ignorant enough <laughs> to believe that if he says it, then I can do it. It doesn't mean I'm going to have success, but it means I'm going to have his blessing, which is much more important than success.